I'm John Carter in Moscow, in Havana, Cuba. Now in Kiev, the capital of Ukraine. I'm John Carter in Petra, right here in communist China, reporting from India. Hi, I'm John Carter in the Solomon Islands. I'm John Carter in Soweto, from El Salvador. I'm John Carter in Sydney, Australia. John Carter gives us all reasons to believe. A great welcome to each of you here today in our California studio. And a terrific welcome to our viewers around the world, especially our new viewers on the CW Network, 112 news stations across the great land of the United States of America. Today, my friends, I want you to do what we did a couple of weeks ago, last week too. I want you to try to think outside the box. We all get ourselves in little boxes. Sometimes they're boxes that belong to political parties and sometimes they're boxes that belong to churches. And when you sit inside those boxes, it's really hard to think. And I want you today to step outside the box. If you want to be happy, who doesn't want to be happy? But if you want to be happy, you've got to be able to answer three questions, three big questions. Number one, maybe four questions. <laughs> Number one, where did I come from? Where did I come from? Am I simply the, the product of, of a creature that crawled out of the slime? Where did I come from? Number two, why am I here? Has been said that the greatest sickness of our times is not cancer, it is not heart disease, uh, it is meaninglessness. Why am I here? And number three is, where am I going? What is my future? And there's another great question that I need to ask and answer, and that is this, who am I? Or what am I? I used to tell the people in Russia, to these tremendous crowds of atheists, you're, you're not an animal and you're not a machine. Uh, you're special because you're a child of God. You see? These are the great questions. I'm going to talk about that a bit today. Richard Dawkins is the most famous atheist in the world. Dr. Richard Dawkins from possibly the greatest university in the world, Oxford University. He has written a number of books that we mentioned too. One is The God Delusion. If you believe in God, then you're deluded. You're a crazy person. And the other book is called uh, The Blind Watchmaker. Everything that appears in this world uh, only appears to be designed. It was not designed. It was made by the blind watchmaker. That's his philosophy. And the blind watchmaker is the process of evolution. Millions believe in him, and I would suggest to you today they believe in him, not because of evidence, but because of blind faith. Dawkins says this, faith is based on myths and lies. Sometimes it is. And he says, science is based on facts, and sometimes it is, and sometimes it isn't. 
My response is this. Christianity and belief in God, when rightly understood, are based on facts and I believe this. I believe if, if I didn't have reasons to believe, I wouldn't believe. And too often the evolutionary theory as first propounded, we believe, by Charles Darwin, is based on blind faith. Let me give you one classical example, the geologic column. Now I want you, can't go into this, here we have the geologic column. It is a fact that it exists. And so down the bottom in the evolutionary time frame and scheme of things, you have very simple creatures and on the top you have very complex creatures and at the very top of this you have the apex which is man. And the evolutionary theory teaches that the, the simple became more complex over vast periods of time and therefore between each of the strata, between each of the species, you have uh, intermediates. And so... All of the stratas actually blend from A to B to C to D. This is believed by Richard Dawkins and believed by millions, and the problem is it is a lie. Who agrees with me? Two of the greatest paleontologists in the history of paleontology, two fervent evolutionists, uh, Stephen Jay Gould uh, and Niles Elridge. They said uh, it doesn't exist. There are no intermediates. And therefore, Stephen Jay Gould said this, the evolutionary theory in all reality is dead because it is not true. And this is one of the biggest lies and most people don't know it. Most people don't know it. They have a faith in a theory which is based on lies. My topic today is reasons to believe. Some of the reasons that Dawkins espouses are less than convincing. Example, Christians have done bad things. Yes. The Inquisition in the Dark Ages. Yes. But the people who did these things, Richard Dawkins, were not Christians but also atheists like Richard Dawkins have done dreadful things. In Russia, militant, strong, hardcore atheists murdered 70 million people. Richard Dawkins in Cambodia, a little country, three million people. Nobody has been held account. Nobody's been held accountable. In China, 40 million innocent people. They were killed by militant Atheists, therefore, if Christians have done bad things and if that makes Christianity wrong, then atheism is doubly wrong because I have butchered people by the tens and the hundreds of millions. Let me answer the claims of the atheists in a completely different way, one which is verifiable from history. I'm not a scientist, but I know a little bit about it. I know enough to know that uh, one and one equals two. I refuse to be put into a box and told you can't think. I don't refuse to have this. I want you to take your Bible and come with me to Isaiah 46, 9 and 10. And I want the atheist who is watching the program to please give me the courtesy and listen to the arguments 
because you'll hear arguments that led hundreds of thousands of atheists in communist Russia to Christ. I know I was there. I ran the meetings. Isaiah 46, 9 and 10, the Bible says, Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning. Declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient times things that are not yet done. Saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. The Bible, listen to me, look at me. The Bible claims to have the unique capacity to see into the future. If this is true, if it is true, then all the arguments have to cease. One great friend of mine said, if genuine prophecy exists, then the main issues of life are met. What was he talking about? If there is genuine prophecy, genuine, verifiable. Please give me a hearing. Don't be bigoted. Get out of the box. If there is genuine prophecy, then there is God. And if there is God, I know where I came from. I know why I'm here. I know where I'm going. I have hope. I'm not like poor Richard Dawkins. Now, let me say this. There's no such thing as total proof for anything. Oh, you say yes, 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 no, no, no. Philosophically, there's no such thing as total proof. You can't even prove you're sitting here in the studio. Philosophically, you're trusting your brain. Is your brain infallible? No, of course it's not. So we don't go by total proof, we go by evidence. Evidence. What is the relationship between faith and evidence? There was a big gathering of Christian youth leaders here in the United States of America. And the leading young person, the young people's leader, was asked the question, why do you believe in the resurrection of Christ? And he gave a classical response to tumultuous applause. Why do you believe in the resurrection of Christ? He said very piously, because of my faith. I can't think of a dumber answer. I want you to know, I do not believe in the resurrection of Christ because of my faith. I believe in the resurrection of Christ, listen to me, because it happened. <laughs> because it happened. I believe in the resurrection because of the facts. I know there are no facts. Well, you just don't know. He was seen by hundreds of witnesses. They wrote it down in books. The books have come down to our day and age in a, in a fair court. The jury would come out and say, yes, he rose because of the facts. Now, one of the great debates between Dr. Dawkins and Dr. John Lennox, the great mathematician from Oxford University, Dawkins was poo-hooing the great mathematical professor, because he said, you got faith, faith. I've got science. Um, the great professor, whom I love very much, said to Professor Dawkins, 
Do you trust your wife? <laughs> Dawkins said, yes, of course I trust my... Uh, the old professor, the mathematician said to him, you trust your wife? Why do you trust your wife? Oh, he said, because of... I know her, how she acts, what she does. He said, you trust her because of the evidence. Is that so, Richard? He said, yes, I trust her because of the evidence. Dr. Lennox said, thank you, Richard, very much. That's what we're talking about. We are not talking about a blind faith. Listen to me, a blind faith is closely related to stupidity. I must have a faith that rests upon evidence. Now, I'm going to show you something that I've shared with thousands of atheists around the world. I think I can say uh, truthfully that I've probably spoken to more atheists in meetings than any other person alive. I spoke to millions of them in Russia. Daniel 7 was written 2,000 years, 500 years ago in Babylon by a Jewish prophet. Babylon is what we call today Mesopotamia or Iraq. This chapter refutes all Richard Dawkins' criticisms of Christ and his followers because Richard is confused concerning the nature of the church. I now challenge skeptics, infidels and atheists to look at the facts of history and to think outside of the box. I've presented these truths to millions of atheists and unbelievers in Russia and Ukraine. I've seen thousands, tens of thousands say, I now believe. I want you to come to Daniel 7, verses 1 to 3, and to think outside of the box, please. Daniel 7. In the first year of Belshazzar, an historical character. King of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head while on his bed. Then he wrote down the dream telling the main facts. Daniel spoke saying, I saw in my vision by night and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea and four great beasts came up from the sea, each different from the other. The atheist uh, will say, how silly. How silly that the most effective way to communicate truth is through pictures and stories and parables. And that's what the Bible does in the prophecies. So he, see, see the Mediterranean lashed into fury and four great beasts come up out of the sea. Now in Bible prophecy, dear hearts and gentle people, in Bible prophecy, a beast represents a nation. Daniel 7, verse 17, and then chapter 7 and verse 23. The Bible says, this is not ambiguous. A child of four or five can understand this. Those great beasts, which are four or four kings, which arise out of the earth. And then um, the next verse says, 23, the fourth beast shall be a fourth kingdom on earth, which shall be different from all the other kingdoms and shall devour the whole earth, trample it down, 
break it in pieces. Now, in the Bible prophecies, the sea represents the peoples of the earth. Revelation 17, we're not going to go into that. And a beast coming up out of the sea represents a great nation that arises from the turmoil of all the nations in the world. So a beast represents a king or a kingdom. And Richard Dawkins could understand this. This is plain. It is logical. Now if you look at Daniel 7 and verse 4, you have the four beasts. Look at this because you just may discover something you never knew before. Daniel 7 and verse 4 says, The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. I watched till its wings were plucked off and was lifted up from the earth and made to stand on two feet like a man. And a man's heart was given to it. Listen carefully. When this prophecy was given, Daniel was living in Babylon. And Babylon had a symbol. Because I have been to Babylon on many occasions. I've walked around the ruins many, many occasions. These pictures on the screen of the ruins of Babylon, I took myself. In the ruins of Babylon, you will see the winged lion. Because as the lion is the king of beasts, so Babylon was the king of kingdoms. And people say, no, that, no, no. Yes, 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 yes. And so the prophecy starts with Babylon, which is the lion. Now we read on the next verse, verse 5, Daniel 7 and verse 5. And suddenly another beast, a second like a bear, it was raised up on one side and had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. And they said thus to it, Arise, devour much flesh. History tells me that Babylon was overthrown. Every nation in the world has a certain amount of time. No nation goes forever. Nations have got a probationary period. And after Babylon came the great power of the bear, which was after Babylon came the great power of the bear, which was Medo-Persia, a dual monarchy. Babylon was overthrown by Cyrus the Great. I have been to Babylon. I've been to the places where the prophecy came to pass. I've made a life study of this, traveling through the Middle East with an open Bible and hopefully with an open mind. Did you know the worst thing that a person can have is a closed mind? Somebody said it's almost impossible to get someone to see a truth when his salary depends upon his not seeing it. Did you hear this? It's almost impossible to get somebody to see a truth when his salary depends upon his not seeing it. Whether he be a Republican or a Democrat 
or an independent or a Calithumpian. The human mind is a very strange thing and doesn't like new thoughts. But the bear is Medo-Persia. That's a fact. Daniel chapter 7 and verse 6. When I gave these lectures before the KGB and before vast audiences of the university professors, nobody ever came to me and said, no, you've got it wrong. They said, no, it's true. Why have we been told all these lies? That's what they said to me. Why have we been told all these lies? Verse 6. After this, after Medo-Persia, I looked and there was another like a leopard, which had on its back four wings of a bird. The beast also had four heads, and dominion was given to it. After Babylon came Medo-Persia, and after Medo-Persia came Greece likened to the leopard. The leopard represented the armies of, of Alexander the Great and the four wings on its back represented the division that came after the death of Alexander. His empire, his authority was divided among his four warring generals that you all know about, Cassander, Lysimachus, Seleucus, and Ptolemy. And so Babylon, Medo-Persia, and Greece. No atheist has ever come to me and said, this is wrong. And I've spoken to millions of atheists, probably more than any person living. Daniel 7 and verse 7. After this, after Greece... I saw in the night visions, and behold, a, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, exceedingly strong. It had huge iron teeth. It was devouring, breaking in pieces, and trampling the residue with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had uh, ten horns. Now listen to me. History tells me what this power was. After Babylon came Medo-Persia. After Medo-Persia came Greece. And after Greece came the great dragon, uh, the Iron Monarchy of Rome. This is the Rome of the Caesars. The atheists cannot deny this. You may poo-hoo it, but you can't deny it. Therefore, you need to put aside prejudice and think outside the box. This is the Roman Empire. How did Daniel know is the question. And the Bible tells us this is the great power of Rome that ruled the world, uh, conquered the then known world, uh, destroyed uh, the city of Jerusalem that crucified the Christ, that carried away the seven golden candlesticks. In fact, in one of the great prophecies concerning Rome, it was said, listen to me in Daniel 9, the people of the prince who shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. It's Daniel 9. It doesn't say the prince would destroy the sanctuary. The people of the prince, the Roman soldiers. The prince was Titus. 
And surely some of you have been to the Arch of Titus in Rome where you see the seven golden candlesticks that were taken out of the temple. Every word of it was predicted. So, uh, really? Yes. The people of the prince. Titus said to his soldiers, spare, spare in the name of everything holy, spare the Jewish temple. But they were so infuriated at the obstinacy of of these people that one Roman soldier took a flaming torch and he threw it right in there. And in a moment, the whole temple was on fire and the Jews stood on the hills and they cried out, Ichabod, Ichabod, Ichabod. The glory has departed. The people of the prince, the prince tried to save the temple. The Roman soldiers destroyed it, according to Bible prophecy. Now you can understand why General Vladimir, one of the leaders of the KGB, came to all my meetings, entertained me and my team, listened to all of this, and he said, <laughs> here are some of the young men from the KGB that I spoke to. Um, in training, he said... Uh, What I like about your meetings, they're not just about faith. They're about facts. And I said to General Vladimir, I would have you. These are KGB officers. How would you like to be in the room with this guy by yourself? These same men had come down to our church before I'd gotten there and had destroyed it and thrown our members into prison. But there's one thing they could not lock up. They could not lock up the word of God. And so I'm going to tell you very, very soon, more amazing truths to come soon. Stay with us as we talk about reasons to believe. Hello, friend. I'm John Carter. Behind me is the great city of Manila, the capital of the Philippines. Did you know, this is quite amazing, there are more people living in this area than in New York City, and Christ died for these people. We came here, oh, a long time ago, back in 1984. What's that, 34, 35 years ago? And we came here with a team of young people and we came to the PICC. It is our intent to come here, hire the biggest hall that's available, the greatest outdoor stadium, whatever it takes. You've got more than 20 million souls out here. And I say it again, these are people for whom Christ died. I'm asking you to pray for the people of the Philippines. Please pray for the people here in Metro Manila. And please write to me, John Carter, Post Office Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358. In Australia, write to me at Terrigal at the address that is now showing on the screen. We're back in Manila, and we're back with a message from God. That message is, Christ died for you. And Christ is coming again soon.
Please support us. Write to me today, Post Office Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California. And also write to me at Terrigal in Australia. Thank you for your support and God bless you. For a copy of today's program, please contact us at P.O. Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358. Or in Australia, contact us at P.O. Box 861, Terrigal, New South Wales, 2260. This program is made possible through the generous support of viewers like you. We thank you for your continued support. May God richly bless you.